1994's Forrest Gump. Yes. What's your history with Forrest Gump? Uh, I have seen Forrest Gump at least a couple of times before this week. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Probably. Uh, maybe I saw it in the theaters in 94. I don't know. Oh, a lot of people did? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into Forrest Gump, we take a look at some of the losers. And I think these Okay. Um, oh. Remember Four Weddings and a Funeral? Yes, I have seen that. Again, I've seen that a couple of times. Oh, okay. Yes, I went yeah. to movies in 1994. Yeah. You like it? I do like it. Yeah. I mean, it's a rom-com. Yeah, it was kind of a sleeper hit. Um, okay. But made the best picture lineup. It has Hugh Grant and Amy McDowell. I'm a little surprised that it was, you know, yeah, it's, best picture. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised too, especially some of the competition uh-huh. um, but it just was one of those movies that was I think British produced but it, it just kind of became a hit with word, word of mouth yeah okay um, I haven't seen it in a long time but just a, it's kind of a typical 90s rom-com right I would say yeah, I would it's say. A, about kind of the, these two people are not in the same circle of friends, but they're like maybe one or two degrees separated. So they run into each other at big events. Right. Right. And hence the title, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Right. And spark up a romance. And yes. That's pretty much what I remember. Yeah. Made, made a star out of Hugh Grant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He does look pretty young here. Yeah. She was already a star. Uh, yeah, she had been in a few things. I Groundhog saw Day. Video. Yeah, Groundhog Day definitely was the big one. Uh, Quiz Show. Quiz Show. With, yeah. uh, is that Voldemort? Ray Fiennes is in it, yes. Yeah, he plays uh, Charles Bendoy. It's about the Quiz Show scandals of uh, 1959. Popular Quiz Show 21 was rigged for ratings and they kind of hid that from the public, and it was a big scandal. It's often portrayed as like one of those events where you know America lost its innocence. But I think it's a very absorbing drama directed by Robert Redford. Oh, okay. We saw him recently as an actor in this thing, but we've also seen his other directorial effort, or one of his other ones with ordinary people. Yeah, uh, this also stars in a supporting role, Paul Schofield from A Man for All Seasons. And it has a oh. similar type of role because he's kind of the conscience of the film. Okay. He plays, I think, Ray Fine's father. Okay. Or, uh, no, I think it's his father. Is he in the. It, who was he? Yeah. Was he Thomas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah, he was Thomas Moore in A Man for All Seasons. Okay. Uh, you, you've, so you've seen Chris Chow? Yes. You like it? I do like it. Yeah, I like it a lot, too. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Shawshank Redemption. I'm oh, sure I did see that. that. Yeah. yeah. yeah I really beautiful. like that. Wow. Have we ever done this? These are movies yeah. that I've... Yeah, the with. last one, you, I know you haven't seen, but you've okay. definitely heard of. Uh, but, yeah, this is... Uh, well, how do you know I haven't you, seen it, then? Uh, I know you haven't seen it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe I have. But, okay, well, let's talk about the Shawshank Redemption <laughs> first, okay. which you have seen. It's I have a, seen. A prison drama, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, based on the Stephen King story. Okay. Is this this is the one where he's falsely imprisoned for killing his wife? Yes. Yes. Tim Robbins is. Tim Robbins is, yeah. It actually was a surprise Best Picture nominee because the movie didn't do well at all. Mm-hmm. In its original theatrical release, I think mm-hmm. probably the title maybe turned people away and maybe the marketing wasn't that great. But it got very good reviews, and it's one of those movies that just within a couple of years, um, it wasn't so much home video that did it in this case, but when either TBS or TNT got the rights, okay. they yeah. were showing it all the time, and it almost became like an instant classic. So Is it's this- very much a beloved movie. 
Does this have um, Tommy Lee Jones? What's his name? No, Tommy Lee Jones is not in it. He's not? Who is the guy hunting him down? Well, he's in prison. Like the warden? Yeah, who's the warden? No, the one who... Uh, you might be blending this I with am. the fugitive, which is yes, Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> Tommy wait. Lee Jones and uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Yes. Wait, which one had Sela Ward as the wife who died? That's the fugitive. Yes, the fugitive. I am thinking of yes. the fugitive. Okay. I've also that's seen Richard nominee from a wait. different year. Yeah. Also falsely imprisoned and escaped. Yes. Yeah. So that's so I remember the fugitive better than I remember Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Although I'm certain I've seen Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I'm sure you have. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Very popular movie. Everybody loves it. And then the final yeah. nominee, which I know you've heard of and I know you haven't seen. Oh, is, is I, Pulp Fiction. you are exactly right. Yeah. I have heard of it and I have not seen it. Yes. You know me too well. Just too I violent remember. for my, my taste. It is violent. And that was, I remember, you know, I was in college when it came out. And I remember it getting, because it opened in the fall, but it had won the top prize at the Cannes Film Festival, kind of in the spring. So it got a lot of buzz. And I was turned off, like, I don't know why. I just thought, oh, this is going to be one of those movies that's just, like, way too hip for the sake of being hip. And everyone in college is going to love it, and I'm going to hate it, and I'm going to have to get in all these arguments. And so, like, but I'm going to have to see it as soon as it opens so that I can know all the things to argue about how bad it is. And then I just fall in love with it. I just, it was so well, captivating. It's got what's so great about it? So, it's just wickedly interesting. I mean, it's a... Um, I mean, would I like it? I think you might. I don't know. Maybe if you saw it with Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does have violence and uh, swear words. Well, I mean, I just yeah. watched Succession, so that was <laughs> yes. like occasionally they had a. Yeah, it has these three interlock. It's about low level gangsters in L.A., and it's just such an interesting take on the gangster drama genre, which by this point pretty much been mafia centric, and and this is just these three interlocking stories that kind of are told out of sequence and just kind of fold together in I think thrilling way. Yeah, I've seen it several times since, so I'm I'm a big Pulp Fiction fan. But uh, Quentin Tarantino's second movie, that really the one that put him put him on the map at least to mainstream audiences, Reservoir Dogs was had a, a kind of a, a following in the independent film. Okay, yeah, Never heard of it. Yeah, that's his first one. Yeah, so this movie was led by two massive hits, made almost the same amount of money, but. Uh, Forrest Gump and The Lion King, same summer. Okay. Both, I'm sure you saw both of them in theaters. I definitely saw The Lion King in theaters. Yeah. Lies? Is, is that the. Sorry, I'm jumping to the third one on my Yeah, well, that, yeah, that did is come Is that in the Jim Carrey one? No. Liar, no, but, liar. Liar, liar. Yeah, Liar, Liar is a Jim Carrey movie. This is really. This is the year, though, that put Jim Carrey on the map. He had three hits this year. The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, and uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. All oh. three in the same year. Uh, True Lies is Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, uh, kind okay. of a, an action comedy directed by James Cameron. Okay. We would do uh, Titanic in a few years. Right. And also Avalon or a- a- Avatar. Avatar. Yes. Okay. Okay. Speed. I've heard of Speed. Yeah, Speed was a big hit that year. <laughs> is Claire really in Present movies. Danger one of the novels? It's Jack, Jack Ryan. Yeah, I think it was yeah, a, okay. a novel. Yeah, I think that's... there was a. It was part. Of, it was the third part of the Hunt for Red October trilogy. Right. Yep. Yeah. So what is um, Forrest Gump about? Forrest Gump tells the story of Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a good way to put kind it. Of, it tells an interesting story, but it basically follows this guy. Um, he's he's. Uh, well, we'll talk about how they it's narrated, but yeah. it it goes. It's sort of his memoir, 
from the time he was a child until, I mean, not yeah, old man, he, he was, was only like, 40, uh, maybe. Right. The framing device is he's telling his life stories to strangers at yeah, a bus stop. At a bus stop. And he, te- he tells a continuous story, and yes. we should say he's, what, on the spectrum? He's some sort of... We don't know specifically. He has an IQ of 76 or something. Oh, oh that's four right. Four points he's, below 80. Yeah. It's like 69. He had to be 70 or something like I that. I thought he had to be 80. But he, oh, he has a low, 80, low IQ. Yeah. But he's functional. Yeah, low enough to make a significant impact on his life, but low, not yeah. too low that he took care of himself. Right. Yeah, such an interesting framing device. Right. But anyway, we'll... We'll get into that, I suppose. Yeah. And then, of course, famously, it, he's inserted his life story. He, it's, it's all these, they use all this real footage right. of historical events in America. Mm-hmm. And he's like in all these things. So. Yes. But, yeah, who's the love of his life? So the love of his life is the Princess Bride. Yes. <laughs> Jenny. Jenny, and they start out as best friends, although he has always loved her. Yeah. And, you know, best buddies as kids. She's very troubled, beautiful mm-hmm. young woman, and it follows, um, yeah, she's really, it's interesting, she's almost like the story of America. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get into yeah. that, but anyway, yeah. so yeah, it's her issues as you go. But it basically, it's an unconventional love story. Right. But it essentially, it's, I definitely wouldn't characterize this as a rom-com. But. No, no, it's, it's definitely not. Yeah, but and it, probably the other main characters are his mother, played by Sally Field, and his best friend, I guess you would say, in Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. So he goes off to Vietnam, of course, Gump goes off to Vietnam, and this is his you know, like commanding officer there. His he's, lieutenant. His yeah. lieutenant. Yeah, I don't know all the terminology, but he's the guy in charge when he gets there. Yeah, he was certainly his platoon commander or something. Yes. Um, so what are your thoughts on Forrest Gump? Well, I mean, you know, because you watched <laughs> it with me. I enjoy this movie immensely. <laughs> I do like this movie, so sorry about that. I just find it very <laughs> enjoyable. Wow, it comes, you took a turn for the defensive all of a sudden. <laughs> You're going to try to talk me out of it, but I still like it. How about you talking about it? I don't know. Such a watchable movie. It's so, it really, so watchable. It's, it's just, it's hard, it's hard to, it's funny because it is, in some respects, very polarizing, but it's hard not to enjoy or to get wrapped up. I also, are, I also, it makes me think, like, wow, maybe there's, you know, about, you take different parts, because I, I just watched it the one time all the way through, but I was like, I'd kind of like to outline this film and break it down a little bit more and see what other nuggets, because it, it is interesting the way it deals with, you know, like, he's telling the story to yeah. these people, and they kind of... It, that all takes place within a couple hours, say, of each other. Maybe it's one hour. I don't know. But I guess it's a couple hours because he's telling it. But but the people change. You know, they get older as they go. The mm-hmm. type of the type of character, the gal who starts out, she mm-hmm. like looks like she could kind of be fit into the fifties or whatever when right. he starts, and so they. Uh, Anyway, the, it, it kind of is indicative of the decades as you, you know, as you, as you go along. So there's all sorts of like little nuggets like that that are that are part of it. That, yeah, know, I think it's it very much a booming movie too. I mean, just in terms of the it's tentpole events that it goes through are all yeah. It's it's their basically their their life story. Yeah, early boomers. Right? Uh, no, I guess yeah, just I regular so. boomers. Yeah, I think regular boomers. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they're all kind of being, yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think this. I I I've always pretty much liked it. It's um, I think this time I probably enjoyed it the most of all the times I've seen. It. Yeah, as I said, it's just hard. It's hard to hate it, even though there 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 are some. I hate the word, but there are some problematic aspects to it. But it's it's just so endearing. I mean, I, I think it builds up a lot of charm that I think wanes a little bit toward the end. I think it, it does, for me, start to drag a bit, maybe after the shrimp boat stuff, but uh, I don't think the charm runs out. It's, it's, it's just a very enjoyable, uh, very, I think, fast moving in two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, and it's interesting that character development that you see is not Forrest Gump himself yeah. because he's too simple for that, right? So he's yeah. he's completely guileless yes. and and kind of innocent and just... He doesn't change. He, he just stays the same from mm-hmm. childhood through adulthood, all of that, right? But the people that he... Um, it's really the characters that surround him yeah. that we see go through these great developmental changes, in particular, yeah. you know, Jenny, obviously, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, I think Lieutenant Dan probably has the most clear-cut character arc. Yeah, Jenny has a pretty major character arc. I wouldn't really call it an arc, just everything. She's everything bad happens to her. Yeah, but she really um, changes, you know, so by the end, she's gotten her act together, and for the first time, she can be on her own, you know, where she's always been, that's why she just, she had a terrible growing up period, her father was abusive, really awful child, really horrible, just the worst of all things, she was physically and sexually and mentally abused as a as a child yes. so then you watch her go through this series of she was like incapable of of love she couldn't love him back you know and he had to yeah. like this real pure love but she just kept seeking wrong you know she just went from relationship to relationship yeah. not knowing trying to fill some sort of hole and she kept getting abused and he would keep running into her and all of that. But then finally, at the end, she... Yeah, but I would say that Lieutenant Dan has a much clearer arc because we see it on screen, whereas Jenny, her change is mostly off screen. She just kind yeah. of comes back into the picture having put her life back together to some extent. Yeah, well, I but, think... But we, it's not like we see, like she yeah. shows back up without explanation and leaves, but we don't know why. And the next All time the we see through. her, she's... Oh, yeah. It's like her, whatever character arc she had has happened in the meantime. And right. We don't really see it. As with Lieutenant Dan, we definitely see him having experiences that change his perspective. Right. On screen. So yes. So I, that, I see I that totally, as more... Uh, uh, a character arc. Well, so, I mean, I don't disagree with anything yeah. that you're saying, but I think that it was a different type of character arc that we saw with her. So, yes, everything mm-hmm. was happening off screen, but that was that was part of how it all went, is that she was there at the beginning, and then she went away, and then mm-hmm. she came back and went away. And every time we would get these snippets... Of, uh, of Forrest always, even in between, he was always undying in his, you know, like true love, willing the good of the other, love yeah. for her. Like Jack. Like Jack, <laughs> right. But a much more mature, even though he was... Well, know, okay. Well, it was well, much more mature. It was... Anyway, but like well, Jack in Titanic. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, whatever, but... Whatever. It, it, it's just Jack's was like forty eight hours long, or whatever. It's all good. Oh yeah, in, in terms of, of yeah, I mean, yeah. it takes I mean, a while for that sort of 
I mean, love yeah, but I mean, I mean, I was thinking just like as a well, a love story in particular, but as a person, her for his age. You no, know, I was talking about that that love, that okay, aspect right, of okay, love. Yeah. He he had many he had decades this. to mature that love, right? Yes. And, and, and to be clear, we're talking about Jack from Titanic. Jack from Titanic, yes. and anyway, with Forrest Gump, he the the difference actually is that he had an idealized version of her to begin with, but I don't know he 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 loved her at, even as he found out realized she's really messing everything yeah. up. I mean, she's doing basically everything that you could do wrong, and and she definitely follows the. Berkeley hippie, mm-hmm. druggy, you know, boomer, you know, gets involved in all of that, um, all of that stuff. And uh, anyway, yeah. and then, but what I love about her, the way they portrayed her character arc is that she had finally hit rock bottom and we kind of see her heading to rock bottom. I mean, we keep thinking she's got to be at rock bottom, but then it keeps getting worse. Yeah, and then we see yeah, her. I mean, at one point, I mean, it looks like she's gonna commit suicide. Right, so we do see that, you know, and then she, you know, right. she's gonna throw herself off. She's like, and then she just leaves. She walks out. It's got a great soundtrack, by the way. Oh yeah, throughout. I mean, this <laughs> yeah. is peppered with the classics. Yeah, and, and it shows we yeah. see the years. Yeah, and so and it's just from... she's walking right out that door, you know. So they play that. Um, it was Freebird. Which is well, very... during that, but then when she's leaving, it's, is it the door? Love Her Madly is yeah. at some point in her. Yeah, yeah. It's her, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a the, ton anyway. so it's all it's, well, so I think great. five different door yeah. songs in this moment. But I like how they show that, and then she disappears, but then we see her just appear to him as, you know, just kind of a broken person for the first time. She's like, devoid of of this pride and almost hubris that she's had and the and sort of a she'd always been his protector in a way and or at least yeah. thought of herself as I don't know, there was still a, a pride for yeah, her. Yeah, she but she's at various times of her life, she's not capable of being the protector. Right. And she's, that's the role she right. has to have. Right. Moment. Yeah. And so then she comes, and she is finally devoid of any pride, and she spends some time. That's when it's really this, they kind of fall in love. You know, she starts seeing him in a different way. They consummate the relationship, and then then she leaves, right? right? We find out later that there's, she became pregnant from that, you know. Yes, uh, with Haley Joel as well. Huh. Wait, what else do we know him from? Uh, the Sixth Sense. I don't think you've seen that. No. But, uh, I've seen him in other things. Yeah, he, uh, he was in AI, which I don't think you've no. seen that either. But he, Something more mainstream. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, so she... But I like that she walks out because at that point, she's like as left that world of drugs behind and this time she leaves because if she stays then she's just going to be dependent on him and she needs to know that she can do this on her own and so then we see the next time we see her she's just this hard working um, waitress waitress, single mom waitress and has you know, been doing it, right? And she just has this calmness and uh, a calmness and an inner strength that we'd never seen before. But following, you know, the signs of the times like they always have, she has AIDS. She's contracted AIDS from probably yes. from the drug stuff. They never which say they don't, Yeah, which I was surprised because it's been, it's like, it's pretty much assumed in the discourse of the yeah. movie that she, Gets AIDS, yeah, but it doesn't say it. it. Doesn't say it. It was a little early, but it's not. Yeah, not not too early, but it was like kind of a remark, right? But it's fitting. I don't. I didn't remember it from past watches. Yeah, this watch, it was like, oh, she's got AIDS, 
which right. kind of makes sense because at each point. So in the sequel novel, it's it's said that it's hepatitis C okay. that she has, but it's almost universally said that it's AIDS. Yeah, although her, well, because her death she is more it, like it doesn't it look doesn't like, look like AIDS. It doesn't I mean, look she, like it AIDS. looks like she. Yeah, kind of looks like a cancer. It's very similar to her mother's. Yeah, his mother's death. Except that in the same bed, she described it was the way she described it as this kind of mysterious the, the, the virus that they don't know anything about. Yes, and, exactly. That's and we, by that point, we've been conditioned to yeah look for things that were newsworthy. In exactly these right. Periods, right. Yes. So, so that's they they sort of indicate that that's what it is. But anyway, so yeah, it's kind of think that we. So then when she she calls him because she knows she's going to die, that's the other thing, is it's something where she knows that it's fatal, yeah. right? So that also fits into the AIDS thing, right? you know, especially at that point. And we're used to seeing the AIDS patients as emaciated, and the actress doesn't get that way. But anyway, um, and then they just have this, you know, then he does take care of her and you know, they kind of had this beautiful ending to um, to her story. So I would say that we do see, we see her at the depths. We see her getting beaten. beaten. We do see her, you know, uh, want to kill herself and then right. come down. And then we do see her, you know, kind of hit rock bottom. And so we see enough to say that is it, as impactful as a character right. as I mean, Lieutenant it's, Dan. It's I mean, definitely. I mean, she changes more than Forrest Gump changes, but you yes. just have to kind of connect the dots where, in a way that you don't with Lieutenant Dan. You just kind of see yeah. him on screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I just think yeah, yeah. And Lieutenant Dan thing. is just a great... He's great. Grace Ice is terrific. Oh my gosh, he's he so good. And, and the special effects are amazing. Yeah, and I love it's that. Still Twenty years later, uh, it's, it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, because he fathom doesn't how have his legs. But his character arc is is also really great. Of just they're they're actually both both of them, and I guess that's why I put her into the same thing. Is is that they're both kind of saved by Forrest Gump. I mean, uh, Gary's... They're both literally saved. I mean, Gary's... Well, he's... I mean, um, yeah, Lieutenant I mean, Dan is literally yeah. saved by him. Yes. Um, but even the... You he's know, not the that actual, happy about it. He's first. not that happy about it. No, he's very right. unhappy about it. But both of them are just transformed as people into, you know, really good healthy they go from emotionally unhealthy to emotionally healthy because right. of him and his hopefulness and innocence and purity. Yeah, I mean they're both suicidal at different yeah. points. Right. Turn to drugs yeah. and sex. And he gives them no good advice or he doesn't even it's not understand. like he's even trying to he's, change their characters yeah. or anything. But it's just his, you know, he he almost symbolizes um, all that's good, you know, and yeah. there and just by being exposed to goodness and hope, you know, it it transforms them, it kind of seeps yeah. into them. Yeah, uh, one of the problems that I've had with it on previous watches that I've kind of come around on. Is I kind of get annoyed at this. You know, I kind of I call my term for it is recognition porn, which is just like show something that the audience recognizes that the characters don't, and that's just like such a lazy. And the Titanic references the Picasso, Picasso job, yeah. right? Which is yeah, was these paintings by someone called Picasso, yeah. and it's one of these where you know the audience all laughs just to show that they get the joke, and right. it's just it seems like a very cheap method of engagement that I just that kind of annoy get annoys me. I agree. And in many ways this is kind of like a movie version of the Picasso joke because it's, you see it constantly throughout. And 
that was a, like a real stumbling point for me because it just seems so cheap. But like this time I, when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, well, it's more, it's just so baked into the cake that it's, 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 it's not even this cheap kind of laziness. It's, I think it does serve a purpose because it's kind of a, a fun way of it. something we see over and over again. It's just your inability to understand what you're in the middle of. Yes. And we see that in, in more serious ways with like not understanding racism, not understanding sexual abuse and, 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 but I think like these kind of little fun little Easter eggs about you know John Lennon writing Imagine and the, the bumper stickers and the T-shirts yeah. and all this stuff that were like oh haha TV that's just kind of almost reinforces that that theme where um, you know and going back to John Lennon we kind of it's a silly scene but we see kind of this instant of the person's life and then zoom back to see the whole or at least to see what his fate is and you really get the sense of at this moment where these two paths are crossing he has no idea Don Lennon has no idea what trajectory he's on in his life and the public doesn't but Cabot doesn't but there's a a greater story that you can't see when you're kind of in the middle of it. And so I appreciate that more this time around. Yeah, that's definitely how I see it too, is that with Titanic, it's just a cheap joke. But here, it's actually, there. exactly, I mean, you described it very, I can improve on how you said it. But it, it, it also reminded me of, like he, since he, sort of represents the almost American idealism yeah. and how it's, you know, we're not devoid of any of that, even at some of these very low points, you know, we know that he gets assassinated. We know that, right. you know, the whole Nixon thing, it's kind of hilarious how they, you know, have him in there. But it's <laughs> yeah, like, that's... they're showing that it's, America's going through some really challenging messy, ugly things. And you see, like, just how many people are being shot. Yeah, it's so, you know, but but throughout that, he's like this constant that is almost like this um, this pointer to, you know, we're not totally lost, you know? There's still an element of hope in even in all of these things. And mm-hmm. I, I love how they this is not an example of the recreated scene. Oh, actually, it might be. I don't know about that. Where he's in uniform and he goes to that uh, rally the on rally, the mall yeah. that is the, the veterans yes. you know, rally. And he doesn't know because he's not anti-war. He's not anti-anything. He doesn't have yeah. a... He doesn't really have an ideology. Yeah, he doesn't because yeah. he's, he's, he's sort of beyond that. Right. right. Uh, and anyway, and they show him, they ask him to come speak because he's got to receive the Medal of Honor. Right. Ask him to come speak. And and then we don't hear his speech because yeah. he says, here's what I have to say about the war. And yeah. you know it's not going to be anti-war or anything. Yeah. But it's like he could, and then we hear it, they finally get it fixed. Yeah. Right at the end where he says, so that's all I have to say about right. it. So we don't hear that, but the war protesters all take that as this yeah. inspirational message. Anyway, yeah. it's just... So actually what was scripted that he said before they ended up going that, this way is that he just basically says, well, you know, war is a place where you you go and sometimes you come home without legs and sometimes you come home and sometimes you don't come home at all. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. And so it's like, but that's something that like Abby Hoffman would 
Yeah. See yeah. As, like, <laughs> right. Anybody can read. You can read it into it what you yeah, want. Yeah. So I, you know, I agree that it, um, yeah, that it, yeah, that but is that so gets into, in, I think, the most polarizing aspect of the movie, which is its politics. It's, it's very much a conservative movie, certainly in terms of its how much it glorifies kind of this conformity and rule following is what gets rewarded and then the the portraits of the counterculture, anti-war protesters, and particularly the Black Panthers, I think is the most controversial thing here. It's it's just very it's portrayed very almost cartoonishly negative. Is it? I see. To me, the the part that scene with the Black Panthers, the ones who were portrayed very negatively in there, were the, you know, sort of the liberal white college kids that were glomming themselves onto. That well, they movement. definitely weren't. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the speech that the guy gives is not. It's very aggressive. It's almost cartoonishly like what you know, like how Pat Buchanan would have written this character. You know? <laughs> That's this is how the Black Panthers, you know, okay. and I I, right. I thought it was okay. kind of a, a more militant end of the civil rights movement, but it just almost cartoonishly once. And here's the. I mean, they, they it, also... It's very much... It's it's another aspect where it is kind of a boomer movie because the... it's uh, Boomers are kind of an interesting generation if I'm you know, going to oversimplify things, but it's the generation of hippies and of yuppies. Very different ideologies, but kind of the same generation. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a... You don't really see yuppies here, but it's it's very much of trashing the other side of their generation, where this is much more focused on the rewarding the conformity and the you know uh, be a good capitalist American. Uh, but as as the movie progresses, we see him well throughout. Uh, Forrest Gump is just kind of a blank slate, mm-hmm. and so early on, as we're getting used to the patterns of this movie, the villains are the bigots, right? Yeah. During the these scenes that are set in the fifties with because you get the George Wallace stuff. Right. And and you have the people chasing him with the Confederate flag on mm-hmm. there. Right. The other school students. And then one pretty racist. Yeah, she names him after the uh, Nathan Bedford <laughs> Forrest. Oh <my> <laughs> She names yes. him after a Klansman. Yes. Or maybe the founder. Or something. The founder of the Klansman. Oh, in terms gosh, of, yes. I mean, that's how uh, it's narrated. I don't know yeah. the actual history. But then you, once you get to the 60s and the Vietnam era, then the villains start to change to the counterculture. And so it's, the, it's almost a very neoliberal kind of outlook where you think, well, the racism was a big problem until the civil rights movement just kind of fixed all that. And then after that, that's not really a problem anymore. And the problem of people like like uh, making too many waves. And so just it's, it's, it almost is just very much defending the status quo and in terms of just being from that. That generation, you know, not to oversimplify all of the boomers, yeah. everyone has their issues, but that racism was a problem with our parents' generation that we observed in our childhoods, and then now the villains have changed to the other people that we find annoying, the hippies and the war protesters and the druggies and stuff. But. Well, I mean, I would a, say, I mean, it was pretty horrific in the 50s for 
Well, but, no, it, it, I mean, it was. <laughs> I mean, it has improved significantly. You can't just yeah, I, but I don't think to, like the, you don't hose people down for sitting at a coffee no, shop. No, well, definitely, and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not saying that. But in terms yeah. of the story we're being told, uh-huh. it definitely fits that pattern. And I think in terms of chased and by rednecks with uh, Confederate flags on their trucks. I mean, that probably still happened. Right. People naming themselves after, naming their kids after. Yeah, but my point there is not... Well, another interesting point on those lines is I I, I found it very interesting how Bubba's mother is portrayed in this because we get... We see, as, as we see with a few different characters, we get this kind of his, the same actor playing their descendants. Mm-hmm. And so we see that she has, she was, she's been a servant and she's a maid, her mother was a maid, and you know, going back generations. Mm-hmm. So we have that set up where it's, we see kind of the generations of servitude and even yeah. over a, a centuries since slavery ended, yeah. still being effectively a servant. Yeah. Yeah. And then that chain is broken by, just, well, first of all, just by individual charity on Forrest Gump's part, but also through almost, through the capitalist system by, yeah. you know, making money off of the shrimp boats and then investing it in a fruit company. Yeah. Apple. <laughs> right. And so it's like, it's it's kind of, there's a satisfaction to seeing her being served by an, a, a white maid, uh-huh. but it's almost like, it, it almost embodies this perspective of that, okay, this cycle is something that we resolved through uh-huh. our generosity and through our, 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 uh, our system. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is at least very satisfying when you see the transformation. <laughs> no, yeah, but the, the point is that it is satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it is it's satisfying. Not, it's not thoughtful of yeah. the things that have happened. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you put too much thought into it, it's like the only reason the shrimp boat is successful is that <laughs> everybody else has had their livelihoods destroyed by yeah. the... So all of, they're just hoarding all the money that would have been distributed to other people who are, must be in massive poverty ever since this hurricane. <laughs> but these two white guys benefited from it. And it's a great... But they're not trying to benefit right, from it. Yeah. But it's like they just happen to. <laughs> I love that. And they, and they did it because they wrote out the hurricane. Yes. And one of my very favorite scenes is them on the hurricane, on the boat in the hurricane. And... Lieutenant Dan just like shaking his fist and yeah. arguing at God. And it's like this whole thing is mm-hmm. just his, he just finally says his piece to God and they get in this massive argument, you know, yes. with this storm is how he sees it. And then when it's over, it was just so cathartic for him. Yeah. Now, I mean, you could also say, well, you know, that's not, um, that's too simplistic for, you know. Yeah, it's have, definitely you know, a fable. Yeah. It's not so I think really it's it's just part of. You could say that about all, yeah. all parts of it, but it is very satisfying to well, see that. And that's what's seductive about the movie. I know, and, it's I, just and I think lovely. that's where, and I mean, I'm definitely coming out on the movie side, but I I see the polarizing. I think the dividing line is whether you watch the movie focusing on what it celebrates versus what it condemns. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, and whether it's, you know, you're, you know, I think, again, like, he represents hope, so it's like, you know, this is what we all aspire, or we should all aspire to be. You know, we should all aspire to be beyond that level and, and have move beyond these things. Yeah. Obviously there's still drug addiction, there's still yeah. you know, there's still racism, there's still wars, there's still all these all things. These but that's not the you know, this isn't this isn't a you know, it's it's a a movie that's 
talking really, I think, about hope, not yeah. about yeah, not no, about I, realism. I mean, this isn't a realism movie. No, it's not. And so I if you expect it, that. I, when I was kind of um, reflecting on these themes, I, I was thinking actually back to a conversation we had on "You Can't Take It With You." Like about two months ago, you remember the movie, right? I remember the name. <laughs> yes. So I we do. were kind of comparing its themes to "It's a Wonderful Life," which was kind of yes. by the same. Yeah. And you see, like in the war, the mentality has just shifted oh, right. dramatically, yes, yes. where these themes of just do what makes you happy, right, are just they don't yeah. apply anymore. And so I can see where there, it makes sense to me if there was a backlash against you take, can't take it with you in the late 40s or something where you don't, you don't like where we've seen this, this ideology lead. But looking back after, at it after gosh, almost over 80 years, it's like that whole part, the politics of it's not really all that relevant anymore. You can just kind of enjoy it on its own terms. Yeah. So I'm, I kind of think this Forrest Gump backlash may... I, I'd be interested to see how its reputation changes decades and decades from now. Where well, I, let's I revisit like, it in 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do when that. When I'm 106. And <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm sensitive to those criticisms, but it's I, I would also separate the movie's politics from its artistic merit because that's what would last longer than just how it relates to the present day and and, and you know I was watching it from today and kind of being annoyed at kind of the attitudes that. You know, racism is solved and protesting is bad, so don't think about politics, be kind of a know nothing. And even like a decade after it, uh, W. Bush was compared a lot to Forrest Gump. It's kind of a, you know, ah shucks kind of yeah. uh, anti intellectualism yeah. that seems to be embodied. But I think that the, it actually does what art is supposed to do, and it kind of captures that era. And I know because I lived through it, but like after the Cold War is done and before nine eleven, it's yeah. just like okay, we kind of won, and it's like the the politics is kind of a, a a value of the status quo, and then there was just kind of very much a, you know it's almost kind of a what we call now center right, other than like. Social issues, which have always been kind of controversial, it's like right. yeah. hot, hard on crime and low taxes and right. small government, and right. And not yeah. to get into any of these particular issues, but I think the movie does kind of represent this that kind of, of uh, yeah mentality. And, but okay. it's an enjoyable movie. I, I, I really like it. It's really yeah. a lot of fun. So, ChatGPD, I asked for a limerick about Forrest Gump. In a town called Greenboro, you see, there lived a man named Forrest Gump so free. He ran with great might through day and through night, a simple soul inspiring you and me. Yes, yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's all the movie was trying to get to. <laughs> that's all it was Sometimes trying to do. it's okay to be inspired. Yeah. So uh, I got 13 nominations. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Wow. Well, the record's 14, so that was. Yeah. A lot. Uh, only, only two acting nominations though. Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks and Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise. Yeah. Yeah. So it won six. Yeah, won six. Okay, best so picture. Best picture director. Tom Hanks won his second year in a row. He won for Philadelphia the year before. Oh, okay. Uh, I think that was the first time that happened since um, Spencer Tracy, at least oh. in the actor category. Spencer Tracy in 1938. So, he won Best Actor two years in a row. Wow. Yes. What about who won? Gary Sinise. Yeah, lost. Gary Sinise lost 
to Martin Landau for Ed Wood. Yeah. Uh, really great. It's a Tim Burton movie about the worst director of all time. And Martin Landau played Bella Lugosi. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and he was great. Uh, Diane Weist won her second Oscar. She had won for uh, Hannah and Her Sisters. So this is for another Woody Allen movie, Bullets Over Broadway, which she was fantastic. Uh, Jessica Lange won for Blue Sky, which is a movie that was barely released and um, very small movie, but uh, was kind of a weak year for for juicy roles for females, unfortunately. But uh, it worked out for Jessica Lange. Yeah, she got her first lead acting Oscar. She had also won supporting actress for Tootsie. Yes. Ever heard of it? Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, so this is, I think, the one of the only years where three, three of the four acting winners were. Um, this was their second win. Okay. Where Martin Landau had won before, but the other three had had won. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm glad the, that it won for best visual effects. Yeah, visual effects. Was, yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah, because Lieutenant Dan not having legs. I mean, it looks like he really Well, it was revolutionary in... Because CGI was relatively new. Mm-hmm. And and this movie really shows how you can use it to tell different types of stories. It's not just about making dinosaurs or alien invasions and stuff. But yeah. Just to right. uh, do, like, the feather was... Right. Oh, okay. Very hard to film that and get everything yeah. right. And then all the footage of the, with the, all the different presidents. Yeah. So it, it didn't. CGI. It didn't win for best original score, although. No. Yeah. yeah it, it lost to the Lion King, which is oh. understandable, of course. Yeah. Great. Yes. Yeah. Which actually, well, so it won uh, for best screenplay. Yeah. Film editing visual effects, and then picture, director, actor. Yes. That's that's a pretty good haul. Yeah. All right, so what is coming up next? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, you get to choose another one. I do. I already decided what I'm going to pick, but we'll get to Anyways, what what are your picks? Um, The Ites, Parasite, Spotlight, Moonlight. Yeah. Amadeus and No Country for Old Men. Okay. And I have The French Connection, The Departed, 12 Years a Slave, In the Heat of the Night. And I'm going to add. Which one do you. Uh, no, I'm going to add All Quiet on the Western Front from 1930. I think it's going to be Spotlight. I think so too. I think we're due for Spotlight. It's not going to make it to the 20s. I mean, it's a good movie, but let's find out. Let's find out. Oh, it is Spotlight. Spotlight, yes. (laughs) Okay, Okay. look at us. Okay. All right, so next week we'll be back with Spotlight. Spotlight, number 33.